Hi, welcome to the Weird World Podcast. My name's Carrie. I'm Emma. I'm Dean. What? What? <laughs> You're struggling with this yeah. beginning time. Yeah, this is Carrie's fourth try, by the way. Sounds weird. No, no it's it not. doesn't. This is her eighth try. Dean. Yes. What are you going to talk about? Well, we're going to bring you part two of MK Ultra. Oh. A little revisit. Yep. So uh, as I am wont to do with two <laughs> parters or three parters, I would like to give a little quick recap. So in part one of MK Ultra, we found out the beginnings, the origins, <laughs> how the United States in their late 40s, early 50s, the Cold War is starting. They're really worried about communism. They're afraid of capabilities specifically. They thought the evil commies had capabilities with mind control or brainwashing, and they're very worried about that. So they said, you know what? We should have that too. Let's yeah. work on that. So they did. That's the whole two wrongs make a right theory of? Very much so. They just yes. had FOMO. A little bit. They just had FOMO. That bit. was it. That could be it. So they recruited a cat named Sidney Gottlieb, who is a agricultural biologist, and said, you know about drugs? Have you heard of them? Pardon? Have you heard of the drugs? Get it? Like, have you heard of them? Oh, <laughs> I, I did know. not get it. That so, was easy. My, my look of what the fuck are you talking about? I should have told you that. So he started experimenting with drugs in an attempt to create their own. The CIA, under what would become known as the MK Ultra program, he started working with lots of different drugs. He eventually focused on LSD, a big fave at the time, still relatively new to the scene. At the time, this is now the very early 1950s. They started with, with dosing like prisoners of war and agents they caught overseas and, and, and also populations overseas at black ops sites. They then graduated to doing this experimentation on Americans, which is very illegal. The CIA is not allowed to do anything on U.S. soil, let alone yeah. <laughs> dose Americans. Some were volunteers like students. Others, they used prisoners and, and, and patients. MKUltra was now beginning to do these ex experimentations with drugs and, and attempts to affect mind control and brainwashing techniques on Americans. In part two here, we're gonna, I guess, start with kind of, and spend most of our time on the lowlights, the, the, <laughs> some of the just horrific things that they did in the name of science slash um, intelligence, I guess. So I mean, it's, are, it's, are we all going to be weeping at the end of yeah, this Yeah, I mean, we episode? should even do a little bit of a, a warning. There's some pretty awful things that they did. Trigger warning, abuse. And again, I think we've mentioned this last time, but one of the worst things that happened will be the, the story of Frank Olson. I'll mention it here, but we're going to treat it in much, much more detail with our next episode, which is specifically on Frank Olson. We'll end this episode talking about the demise of MKUltra, mm -hmm. is uh, revelations about what happened to it in the mid to late 70s, and some follow-up on that. Okay. All right. The highlight reel of the results of these attempts by MKUltra to affect mind control techniques is brutal, and it, there's quite a bit. So let's start. The most notorious of one, of course, was I just mentioned, was Frank Olson. Olson, like Sidney Gottlieb, he was an agricultural chemist who found himself working on biological agents as part of the Cold War effort. Part of this, he was part of MKUltra. He, though, was different from these other folks in that he had a, a conscience, and he didn't like it, so he got out from under it. But they were having none of that. And so a very terrible thing happened to him. Again, we'll go into that in much more detail on the next episode. What happened to Frank Olson and his fate was obviously terrible. But there's... That a, you a, don't know about yet. That you'll you, have to you find can out probably next guess what's going to happen to <laughs> I think it's fairly clear. But there was something that was also awful that happened to a guy named Stanley Glickman that in a sense is almost more chilling than what happened to Frank Olson. Um, so Stanley Glickman was an American artist living in Paris, studying art. I don't know, going and checking out the Mona Lisa every day, whatever he was doing there. He was painting and... <laughs> Dean's limited knowledge of art. <laughs> you know, Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa and <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> so he was going to Lourdes. And this is 1952. So technically what happened here occurred under Project Artichoke, which was the precursor mm. to MKUltra, but it's essentially the same thing. And 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 Sidney Gottlieb was also part of the team, part of this process. So Gottlieb himself was in Paris looking for victims to dose. Through the Which years, is he crazy. Would, I know, but he he Jesus. would travel. They, he traveled to Europe fairly regularly. They had again the Americans still had, but at this time the Americans still controlled 
a section of Western Germany. Yeah. And they had a couple of few black ops sites there. So he'd go there and they'd have some folks for him to look at as they experiment on. And, you know, he'd say, I don't know, give him more. Let's see what happens. Let's ask yeah. him some questions, things like that. Remember, he was trying to sort of wipe their mind and then kind of rebuild their personalities so they'd be acquiescent or be mentoring candidate type things or yeah. at the very least be able to be induced to give up everything they knew. He about was, the Mona Lisa. Yes. Like all about, about the Mona Lisa. What do you think about it? <laughs> In this case, they are. So I don't know how intentional it was, but Gottlieb's little group of CIA people found themselves at a restaurant in Paris, and they struck a conversation with Glickman. I don't know how that exactly started, but it's like, oh, Americans, maybe you just heard people speaking English and decided to go over and talk to them. Huge mistake if that's what happened. So he's talking with the American agents, all these CIA agents undercover, including Sidney Gottlieb, and the conversation turns to politics. And this is during the Korean War. This is during the beginning of the Cold War. You can imagine an artist, <laughs> an expatriate artist in Paris didn't find himself in much agreement with these um, cons- yes. politically very, very conservative. Uh, except for the whole drug part. Except what? The whole drugs part. Well, he, he was probably all in They were having drugs. wine. I, I don't know <laughs> I that know, he was. In fact, I don't think he was. I'm sure he, in fact, what happened to him, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. And what you said, Carrie, was actually pretty, um, um, what's insensitive? The insensitive. <laughs> pretty insensitive. So, so the conversation started to get heated. They were getting into an argument. And Glickman said, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to leave before this gets ugly, uglier. So he starts to leave. Gottlieb slides over interrupts him before he can get to the door and says, hold on, Stanley, 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 we don't want to have any hard feelings. How about I buy you a drink Uh as a peace offering and we'll have a drink together and then you can go home. So we don't want to leave on such bad terms. So he goes to the bar and gets him a drink, brings it over to where Stanley is, standing presumably by the door and says, you know, here you go. It's on me. Drink up. Stanley does drink up. Unknown to Glickman, but Probably what you can guess, uh-huh. and everybody here listening, <laughs> Gottlieb had dropped a massive load of acid wow. into that Yikes. drink. A, a, a lot, apparently, because Glickman had a just horrific trip. He had no idea what he was experiencing. Again, these people, when they're unknown, if it was one thing if you go into an acid trip or whatever, any kind of hallucinogenic, yeah. and you... I have, you know, can expect it. Yeah, you're still gonna have a bad trip, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when you have no idea what's happening to you, what's or how it happened, or what's what's beginning, to, you don't even have an association. Oh, this is the acid. You yeah. don't know. So well, he just isn't. Sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but isn't this why there are like guides when? Uh, are you thinking of a shaman? Correct period? me if I'm wrong, because <laughs> I've never done a hallucinogenic drug, but I've seen, I've watched movies and television shows <laughs> where there's like, there's like one person who, who is like the person that's going to help everybody stay safe. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's how all acid trips? Wait, I don't know if that's about like a trip sitter. Oh, it's not. A trip sitter? Yeah. yeah. I don't think every trips, all trips have trip sitters. No, there's yeah. reckless ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's reckless trips. <laughs> like if you're like, like conscious and. Well, you I know. mean, most people aren't. Don't go on acid trips accidentally. But yeah, well, I, don't I have know. Some, okay, you'll be the de- <laughs> designated acid not driver. I don't know. No, I don't think that's a common thing. Except on TV shows, Carrie, Emma just Carrie probably watches. Me it is. What time period are we talking about? Now. now. Oh, yeah, it's pretty common now. Is it really? Yeah, okay. well, I mean, you're there's... much more responsible than my generation. <laughs> I'm sure there's many, many people that you know all are taking mushrooms together in the forest. Or oh whatever. yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. common. But just watch Midsummer. It happens. It's <laughs> he, he watched that today. Um, a lot of people will say they're my trip sitter or yeah. they're my blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. But no, it's not com- here. <laughs> it's common, but I don't think it was common in the sixties. I doubt it. And I, I know for a fact it wasn't common. Well, in yeah. Very very late seventies, early eighties. I am positive nobody had a trip sitter any decade prior than probably the early two thousands. I bet you. Yeah. It's just hey, the, the, the kids they're more they're more responsible. Yeah, they are. They are. Stanley Glickman, though, as I mentioned, had no idea what he was experiencing. It was a really bad experience. He managed to struggle his way to his girlfriend's apartment, but he was apparently high into the next day. Wait, they just oh, cut him loose? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So probably fall- he probably got away from them. I don't know. They just- I don't know if they followed him around until he got into his girlfriend's apartment, writing things down. But part of me thinks it was just like, okay, this this goddamn yeah. hip- hippie liberal asshole. Well, yeah. You know, it was just it was his vengeance. It yeah. wasn't even science. No he- scientific value yeah. to 
dosing him and then letting him go. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but he, Stanley Glickman, never, never fully recovered mentally or psychologically. Wow, really? He had a complete mental breakdown <gasps> in Paris. His girlfriend didn't know what to do. She, she called his parents a couple months later. I mean, he was, he just wasn't, he was never got over it. You said it was a really large dose, right? Uh, yeah. He, he, they so he wasn't like his brain was fried, but he was a, a mental basket case for the rest yeah. of How do we know this life. happened? We'll see. What? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I'm just saying. Because you're going to jump ahead to the end of that. Because it's a secret. It, it, it so, was a secret for a very long time, okay. yes. So Wait, one more question. Yes, sure, of course. <laughs> Did they identify themselves as... CIA, no. United States government. I'm sure they did not. Or anything, no. so. Hi, we're the CIA. We're here to help. No, they didn't. And okay, say, well, hey. put, put a reminder because I want to know how Stanley found out about it. Is that his name, Stanley? Stanley Glickman. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 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 And Carrie's doing something weird with her finger. <laughs> That's a little, there. Check. That's a little reminder. Uh, is, is that Carrie? Is yes. it? Okay. That's what that is. So, yes. He, Glickman, had to be brought home by his parents. They had to come to France to get him. Oh, my and God. He couldn't travel by himself. And he, again, was just never the same. MK Ultra literally wrecked the rest of his I life. I get it. The one time I did acid, I really wanted to call my mom, too. You should have. You really <laughs> nope, should I have. I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I would have been in so much trouble. You know what? Maybe your mom w- can be you a trip 12? sitter next time. How old were you? I was 18. So in 1977, when the awfulness of MK Ultra was being exposed, we'll get to that later in the episode, Glickman found out what had happened to him. He would eventually sue Sidney Gottlieb and the CIA in 1981, but the trial was repeatedly delayed for 17 years. That is, the trial did not come until 1998. That was too late for Stanley Glickman. He had died in 1992. Again, never the same person. So he never got any kind of justice. Again, we'll, we'll cover in a little while. How was it was exposed? But that's but they were able to get documents that uncovered and relayed. In writing, what had happened to wow. Stanley Blickman. His own trial didn't happen until six years after he died. Yep. It was carried on by his, his uh, family. <laughs> wow. His sister, as a matter of fact, was the one who mostly kept the case alive. She went to the U.S. Court of, of Appeals. Eventually, the case found its way to the U.S. Court of Appeals, which dismissed his lawsuit on the grounds that he had waited too long to file. So I think there's a three-year statute of limitations on filing this kind of a case. So he found out in 77... They didn't file his lawsuit to 81. So I think they're really, you waited four years, not three years, to file mm-hmm. this case as opposed to, in reality, it was almost 30 years. Yeah. So still, pretty despicable, yeah. pretty despicable horrible, ruling. Yes. So he really was never able to get justice. In 1998, I don't know what happened in the 98 case, but nothing like justice. Again, he was ruined yeah. and um, he was just destroyed. He never painted again for the rest of his life. Oh. Not a once. That makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> Another infamous MK Ultra lowlight was Operation Midnight Climax. Great operation name. The CIA did not want to do all of his work in the unrealness of a lab, and that's why they would dose people out and about. I mean, basically, it was in like a lab, it was in colleges, it was in prisons. Mm-hmm. They wanted to do it people in the wild. That was one of the reasons they did it. Stanley Glickman, you know, presumably is like, see what happens, see what goes out there. Again, yeah. with Glickman, I don't see how they could have got to him yeah. to question him. Yeah. So that, to me, I think he was dosed as just being assholes. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know that, but I think so. The Operation Midnight Climax was an attempt to dose people in a more in a controlled situation to some degree, but not truly like in a laboratory. So what they did was that they made up CIA brothels. They used some safe houses that they had, and they turned him into not safe houses. (laughs) They turned him into brothels. They did this mainly in San Francisco. They would a little bit later do it also in Marin County and New York City, and they would use the CIA had, had street connections, or at least had new people who knew people, I guess, and they were able to commission sex workers to troll on the CIA dime. Really? <laughs> to bring their Johns back to these safe, safe whorehouses, if, if that's what you want to call them. I, I find that term offensive, but that's what some people call them. <laughs> You're looking for a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. The CIA essentially then was acting as pimps. Yeah, yeah. While illegally dosing unsuspecting Americans with very, very dangerous drugs. So, so super awesome. Question Did yes. the sex workers, obviously, they got paid from the mm-hmm. patrons, but did they get paid from the CAA as well? They yeah. sure did. Wow. Yes. 
I guess the CIA is sex positive. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't really the motivation. The CIA figured it was pretty much risk-free because they figured even if the John figures out what's going on to them yeah. and knows that like, somebody does me or something like that, they're not going to tell anyone. No. They were in the commission of a crime. Exactly. So it's yeah. the perfect situation. From their perspective, it's absolutely perfect. Guys. The girl I hired last night totally <laughs> drugged me. Tells his wife. Yeah. There, there is a thing. There's a classic scam called the honeypot scam where that's exactly what happens. Uh-huh. You dose your, your John, you, you knock him out, and then you rob, rob him, him and, yeah. and he wakes up gone. Honeypot. But this was, was very different. Did, I'm assuming the sex workers didn't know explicitly what was going to happen. You know, I don't Do you know. know what they were told? I, I'm not. I, I don't know that they were told explicitly what was happened, but unless they're asked to leave, the, I don't think they're asked to leave the room, and you'll, you'll see why here in just a second. So they set up this room at 225 Chestnut Street in San Francisco, and it had a big old mirror on one wall. Shockingly, <laughs> that was a one-way mirror, and the house was decorated by a CIA agent. This was in 1955 when they did this, and it, they, he put up pictures of like can-can dancers. <laughs> <laughs> and velvet curtains and Toulouse Lautrec posters with oh black silk mats. I don't know who that is. Toulouse Lautrec, the person in Moulin Rouge. The paint, the, the uh, Paul Legazamo Legazam- oh. in Moulin Rouge is played as Toulouse Lautrec, a famous, oh, very, very artist. short French artist. Oh my God, I did not know that. Yes. Yeah. So this kind of, he's this guy became this ersatz, this, <laughs> his name is George White. He, he was the kind of the interior designer. He's a CIA agent, <laughs> but he's also this thuggish ex-cop and apparently he was a big fan of Moulin Rouge. Although the timing doesn't fit because I looked it up and yeah. this was 1955. The Moulin Rouge movie made at the time was, was released in 1956. Oh. The one prior to that was a 1928 silence. So I don't know. Maybe he was a big fan of the silence. Maybe so. The, yeah. Maybe so, but can can. What do, what do whorehouses have? Uh, can can dancers and black velvet <laughs> curtains? I don't know. Think of Moulin Rouge. That's my only frame of reference. That's apparently his too. But this guy was like just your stereotypical, watch any old crime movie, and the, every other cop is this guy. Yeah. This big, doughy, white guy with a mean face, short hair, a hat. <laughs> he, that's exactly what he looks like. And he was a, a horrible, he was a corrupt cop, so yeah. naturally he was recruited by the CIA. He's you know, the pipeline. They're always, they're always kind of out of shape, but they're not like fat, but they're out of shape. You know what I mean? You can tell at one point they were in really yes, good shape. But they're not. But they're, they're not anymore. Yeah. And yeah. their belts are what? About end of the rib cage, but the bottom of the rib, right rib cage, their belt. Only a couple yeah. inches away from their nipples. Yes, yes. Like a football coach. Is that guy. Yes. This, is, this was him. This was George White. <laughs> so he's some more stereotypes. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I've seen the picture. He's, he is. He looks so much like that. And every, it's like the Fred Mertz effect. They all, every third, every guy of a certain, white guy of a certain age looked just like that. How do yeah. they get so doughy? I don't I get don't it. Know, People don't look like that much anymore. A few, you see it once in a while, but not maybe that much. Maybe it's our diets are so different. I don't know. But, <laughs> but also, men didn't work out in those days. They didn't go to a maybe gym unless they, you know, they were a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, assuming. That's what George White was. It's totally, we'll, we'll put pictures up of him. He is the stereotypical 50s movie cop. Agents in the adjoining room would watch the action as the sex worker drop oh. LSD into the John's nightcap and then go about their business. They would film the sessions for a later scientific study, obviously. Of course. <laughs> Jesus. They just, the cameras were disguised in the electrical outlets. So I'm wow. pretty decent uh, tech for the time. Yeah, yeah, it's way ahead of its time. I would think, unless they're like just huge electronics. <laughs> for the <laughs> red light. Comically big. <laughs> for the CIA agents, though, it was like a party. They get drunk. They would, you know, I, I imagine giggle while they watched and are stifling their giggles because it's right behind a window. A yeah, mirror. they were giggling, Dean. They yeah. probably were giggling. <laughs> they had to watch live sex with you know their coworkers. No, it was like a frat <laughs> no, party. I, they were, were all not, jacking off in there. Probably a little bit, Oh, wow, no. Carrie. We weren't going to go that direction. Maybe somewhere. She's, she's right, though. You know she's right. <laughs> they had <laughs> curtains partitioning each guy watching. <laughs> oh, yeah, they all probably got super drunk. I yeah. finally didn't even think about that, and I'm disgusted you did. <laughs> so George White loved every second of it. In 1971, years later, he would admit, quote, of course, I was a very minor missionary, actually a heretic, but I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. 
Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill, cheat, and steal, deceive, rape, and pillage with oh. the sanction and blessing of the all-highest? End Man, quote. He's not wrong. Oh, he's is not. he talking about the CIA? Yeah. Yes, he is. Oh, my God. It's interesting. I mean, he must have, I don't know, he must have wrote that because it's pretty purple prose. In fact, some ghostwriter probably wrote that yeah. for him. Yeah. But rape and pillage? Uh, murder? Kill, he says, lie, yeah. kill, cheat, and steal. Are we so. shocked? Do you, not, do I, we're not. We're not. Think those things didn't happen. But this is written in 1971. I'm not so. Yeah. Hmm. And and MK Ultra, MK Ultra was not exposed until much later than that, a few yeah. years later than that. So White George White would also say how he and the agents would like sip martinis and watch the action <laughs> with their pinkies up. And, <laughs> and, and, well, if martinis, they kind of have to, don't they? <laughs> I don't think. Well, this is the person who did a check mark with their index. It's nothing like a check mark. Listen, you guys are both silly. (laughs) Afterwards, White would pay off the sex workers with cash, also sometimes with drugs. And sometimes he would promise them that, hey, if you get into some real hot water, give me a call. The agency can intervene on your behalf. So he would promise them legal help. Wow. As well, I, I, is that even true? Would the CIA do that? Oh, sh- if it meant quiet. keeping her quiet, absolutely. I'm, and they could too. That's probably hmm. like a dime to them compared to yeah all the secrets they have. Um, that was probably. I, I mean, so, they're not going to waltz into the police department and say, "Hey, hand her over." Um, she's working for the CIA. Oh, they have their ways. Yeah. They're, no, they make a call. Makes a call. Makes a call. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. Haven't you ever seen American Dad? God, Carrie. Oh Lord. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Stan is a CIA agent. He could do whatever he wants. Well, this is why Carrie thought tripsitters were on every single. <laughs> she watches too much movies and TV. Um, she watches too many Swedish crime drama soap operas. I think is what. I don't think there's so. Are there tripsitters? Crime drama soap operas. Crime, <laughs> soap operas. crime operas. There was supposedly some science in this. They were trying to determine if sex and drugs could interact to create a pliable target who would spill their secrets. So. They would have well-placed questions. They were thinking, if we're, if we're going to have somebody high in this kind of situation, when can we ask them questions? When's the best time? Before, during, whatever. They actually had a determination. They had a finding. Their finding was that the best time to ask them questions would, was right after sex, right after. Huh. Immediately after asking questions, they're most likely to spill the beans. That was their finding, huh. I guess. Okay. I don't know how or why. I, don't, I, didn't, I haven't... I haven't Looked at the methodology, but that's what they came up with. So Operation Midnight Climax is given this little tidbit. So obviously it was a resounding success because that's what they found out. There were other monsters too, besides Sidney Gottlieb involved with the MK Ultra, that did things similar to him. It wasn't just him. One of the most notorious persons who did this was actually a Canadian. His name was Donald. I'm sorry, he was an English-born researcher working in Canada, but also at times during this living in America. I know. His name was Donald Cameron. He had come to the attention of the CIA with this theory of his, and I guess by the late 40s, early 50s, he had developed this theory called, quote, psychic driving. This, he felt, was a method he could use to cure schizophrenia by wiping the mind of the sufferer, just wiping out the mind of the sufferer and kind of like resetting it and starting over again. And he thought once the memories were erased, he could then start, quote, reprogramming the psyche. Does that sound familiar? Yes. It's exactly what Sidney Gottlieb thought he could do yeah. to get, yeah. create these Manchurian candidates. They were kindred spirits, apparently. And their, their research lines were independent of one another. So Cameron would commute from his home in Albany, New York, that's upstate New York, to McGill University in Montreal. I'm assuming he'd work there for the week, come back for the weekends. I'm, it's, oh. not a, it's not a daily commute for sure. He was working for the CIA a little bit later, in 1957 to 1964. They paid him a salary. He worked for McGill University, but the CIA also paid him, and they also bought a lot of resources for him and paid, essentially they paid him for his research and his resources to do this, and they came to be called the Montreal Experiments. The CIA front group that paid Cameron was called the this is awesome. Now. Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology. Oh, hey, mm-hmm. Mom. <laughs> That's a little uh, Orwellian for sure. But supposedly, Cameron, we would always say he had no idea he was doing this for the CIA. He thought it was for this society that was researching the human things. Ecology? Human ecology? Yeah, human ecology. <laughs> <laughs> and they just happened to be Whatever that is. loving his idea of wiping minds with drugs. So, is that believe, do we believe that? Do we believe I don't he know. Didn't know. A yeah. lot of people, they had a ton of, as we found out in the, in the beginning, 
in, um, or maybe we're going to find out here. <laughs> <laughs> I forget now. There were a lot of programs. They didn't put all the eggs yeah. in one basket. Yeah. They yeah. used a lot of, That's in fact, true. I think we're going to find out here later. Cameron used LSD like Gottlieb had on his subjects at McGill, but he got kind of more exotic. He also used a favored method at the time, electroshock therapy. Oh, God. So all the rage, as we know. And, but Cameron like set the dial to 11. He <laughs> shocked his subjects at 30 to 40 times the normal level. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah. So he wasn't some innocent academic. No. He thought he was. I, I think he genuinely thought what he was doing was a method that could wipe the mind and cure them of schizophrenia. It wiped the mind, maybe. Yeah. But it. I mean, so they're cured of schizophrenia. They might be worse. What were his credentials? What was, what was he was his? A, I'll, actually, I'll come to that in a second. Okay. You'll be shocked. So he was trying to erase memories. And he would also, as part of that, he, he would put his patients, and we'll see in a minute, they really were patients, into comas for sometimes weeks at a time. For one unfortunate subject, Cameron kept him under for three months consecutive. He wow, kept him in what? an induced coma for three months. Oh, my Lord. They were subjected during these comas, these, these periods of induced comas, that he would play endless loops of various things, random noise, like monotonic, repetitive, meaningless statements. He effectively invented ASMR, <laughs> but he used it for evil. Yeah. And that's all. So imagine you're under for weeks, 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 even months, just with zzz, or just some stupid yeah. loop of someone speaking, saying nonsense. That's, I mean, Torture. Uh, that is, is horrific torture. So you might assume his patients were like, what, student volunteers or something like that? No, they were legitimate patients in actual fact, since his institute was a mental treatment facility. Okay. So people would come in for usually relatively mild conditions like anxiety or postpartum depression, mm -hmm. looking for treatment, for legitimate psychological treatment. And he would then experiment on them with LSD and induced comas. Without their knowledge? Without really? their knowledge. I mean, So he is evil. Oh, he, yes, he's, he's, a, evil. he's an absolute human monster. He's as evil as you can... There had to be somebody else sanctioning this. I mean, it wasn't... Presumably the, the university knew about it, McGill. Yeah. McGill is like the Harvard of Canada, by yeah. the way. It's a very prestigious university. It's um, obviously the Society for Human Ecology. <laughs> well, yeah. The CIA front. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there, there are there, other doctors at the psychiatric facility who... Maybe, I mean, were there other PhD top-notch doctors? I doubt it. I mean, there are probably some psychologists there, I imagine. I don't know how big the facility was. I don't yeah. know if they had hundreds of patients. I don't think it did. But it was, I think it's a fairly small scale. But it was different ethics of the time. And, and things like this, I, I don't know if anyone knew he was using LSD. That may have been more on the down low, maybe just, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, but um, certainly people knew he was using electroshock therapy, but it was used all over the place. Yeah, at the yeah. Time. So it was every housewife's prescription. Is electroshock therapy? Yeah, I think you're the thinking 50s? of pills. I think you're thinking of quaaludes. Or maybe that's the '70s I'm and the '60s. Both. I don't know. The Valley yeah. of the Dolls. When was that? Well, yes. Every every housewife in the '50s was doing a lot of pills. was doing a lot of pills. A lot of pills. Mom's a little helper. <laughs> so many of these patients patients. Many of these patients left with permanent disorders or psychological afflictions. Mm -hmm. Some of them suffer from incontinence oh. from these things, from these treatments. Mm -hmm. Some had amnesia, which I, I imagine Cameron scored that a win, yeah. right? He was, just, he was going, oh, amnesia, perfect. All wow. right, yeah. we'll start you over again. That's exactly what I You're wanted. You're welcome. <laughs> Others forgot how to speak. Others had memory lapses. And specific things, like they forget who their parents were. Or sometimes they'd even think the person questioning them because he'd have, he, you know, he'd do the treatment and have them yeah. do batteries of questions. They would start to to think that people questioning were their parents or their friends or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also, um, I mean, various other terrible, terrible conditions. And again, not a single one of them had willingly signed up as to be one of Cameron's right. guinea pigs. It's all That's involuntary. Really tragic. Do we know how many people he did this to? Nah, a, a fair amount, but I don't know. I don't have a number for you. Well, I'll, I'll go more than 10, fewer than 1,000. I don't know. <laughs> While Cameron... Did I'm, the Canadian I, government have to get involved? Uh, they, they still are. 
So, but we'll talk about that okay. at the end. Well, well, we're going to be talking about lots of stuff. We are going to be talking about lots of things. <laughs> I hope you have a list. I do. I don't, okay. but I will. If I said we'll talk about it, we'll talk about it. While Cameron was torching the innocent, he rose up the ranks of the prestigious psychologist, psycho- the world of psychology and psychiatry. Mm-hmm. You asked what his qualifications were? Yeah. He was, na- he was the first chairman of the World Psychiatric Association. He was president of the American Psychiatric Association. And at one point, he was also president of the Canadian Psychiatric Association. So he was an MD. He was an M- He was one of the most prestigious psychiatrists in the world, period. Hmm. Full stop. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. It, it, in 1948, he had been one of the main psychologists and psychiatrists on the Nuremberg trials, developed oh. the Nuremberg Commission. So he learned from the best. Yeah. He was, I mean, he, so he was a very prestigious uh, uh, psychiatrist. And, and so was he at the Nuremberg trial saying, what's the big deal? <laughs> Probably. There were other less horrific tendrils of MK Ultra. When, at one point, the program checked in with a guy named John C. Lilly. You ever heard of that guy? Yeah. He no. was never. <laughs> he was John the guy. C. Riley's he was kind of a <laughs> semi famous studier of dolphin human communication. Oh. Oh, is he that guy? He's that. Well, I don't know what you mean by that guy, <laughs> but, but, yes. but he was known for, he was semi-famous. He invented the sentry deprivation tank to help his studies. With, uh-huh. I guess he thought that he hadn't talked to dolphins. So MK Ultra went to him, heard about this, this thing and said, hey, we would like to use your tank I guess, you know, for our acid tripping subjects. Yeah. And apparently they didn't create any primitive hominid species that went on killing sprees. Anybody reference? Anyone? No one? No Say one? that again. Damn it. Never mind. Forget <laughs> it. It's a very, very, very <laughs> vague reference from an old movie. So um, if you know it, great. If you don't, don't worry about Whatever. it. Whatever. You don't have to look it up. I don't care. <laughs> Ultra, Ultra also branched out to beyond mind control. So they could always be, I mean, they're there to help, right? If it involved drugs and things like uh, that they did, the CIA would tap into their expertise for other things other than sort of brainwashing slash mind control or, or things like that. So, for instance, Cindy Gottlieb was involved in the attempts to assassinate Fidel Castro in Cuba and other world leaders that, you know, the CIA found unfashionable, yeah. un, un, unwanted. He went, he was at, so about Castro, he went to his, his chemical toolkit and he said, okay, I can help you. Why don't we spray Castro's TV studio with LSD <laughs> in aerosol form, apparently? So when he goes into the films, one of his, he he'd do these long hours and hours long speeches, and, his, and he had a favored TV studio in Havana. We'll spray with LSD. He'll go in there and he'll just have a meltdown on camera, live TV. Everybody will think he's crazy, and, and they'll overthrow him. This was okay. the plan. Fantastic plan. Mm-hmm. Love it. Didn't work. Didn't happen. Never happened. Plan B was they'd get thallium on Castro's shoes so his trademark beard would fall out. And that would be like ruined his machismo and he'd also be okay. overthrown again. Why on his shoes? I don't know. Yeah. And thallium, by the way, is like, oh. is it a radioactive and it could make your hair loss, but why on his shoes? I don't know it why on his shoes. It could also kill you. It could very well much kill you too, yes. What so, if he dies in front of everyone? <laughs> they would be fine with that too. And then isn't that the one that the antidote is Prussian blue? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very yeah. dangerous mm-hmm. chemical. There was also a famous poison cigar plot. <laughs> People will know about that. He also said maybe we can from, from the school of Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they, they were going to poison a cigar That's and hopefully ridiculous. get it to him. No, no, try this one. Fidel, <laughs> a presidente. A, they, had, they thought maybe we'll poison his wetsuit because he was an avid skin diver. So oh. somehow we can get access to his wetsuit. If they yeah. get access to his wetsuit, I don't Just know. Just kill him. And they also tried to poison his a fountain pen of his since I guess he was also an avid letter writer I don't know but all these things I could see write with it and then lick his fingers but (laughs) I'm assuming they said they're going to poison a fountain pen I don't know because you know how when you write you always yeah maybe that tip on your tongue oh like name of the rose kind of a thing I like it I kind of my favorite though was the exploding cock shell presumably a CIA operative would put the shell this explosive cock shell on a beach and that Castro would stroll along the beach (laughs) He would pick up that particular shell and I guess try to hear the sound of the ocean Uh, like everyone does. And then maybe pretend to play shell telephone with it. Hey, you pick it up too. Okay. (laughs) Hello. Can you hear me? And then it would blow up his face. That was the idea. Oh my God. Absolutely foolproof. I'm assuming though, sadly, that Castro picked up any one of many, many other shells, I'm sure, and not the exploding one. So it didn't work. 
I mean, how badly did we want to get Fidel Castro? Pretty bad. Because we had guns and bombs. <laughs> we could do I an mean, up episode. Uh, that was, those are just some crazy. of the ways. Those just, I mean. I know, it, but it's like a, it's like comedic. Yeah, it is. It was very inept. And, and that man lived longer than a whole the, heck of a Than people, people who don't live as long. <laughs> do you believe that he's Justin Trudeau's dad? There's a conspiracy theory no. that he's dad. <laughs> yeah. Because we know who his dad is. <laughs> who is it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the other Trudeau? Trudeau? Yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see about that. Okay, well. That's the one thing about uh, Trump. His kids look so much like him, you know he actually is their dad. It's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate thing, but yeah. you know he is their actual parent. <laughs> God, Gottlieb, Cindy Gottlieb, was also involved in a plot to murder a leftist leader of the Congo, formerly Zaire, now again the Congo, named Patrice Lumumba. Gottlieb personally packed a vial of poison, and he flew to Central Africa with that poison to take care of it. So he was a hands-on guy. Yeah. And they, he thought, okay, we'll get this poison on his toothbrush, and that will kill him. <laughs> so it wasn't just casual. They had zany assassination attempts for. Uh, and they just never seemed to think about the logistical details. Yeah. How are you going to get it on his toothbrush, dum-dum? Yeah. Not, so he flew it over. He went, this is 1960, the summer of 1960. And he gave the poison to the CIA station chief, in the Congo, name is Larry Devlin, and he said, okay, here's the poison, here's what you should do with it, go take care of it, kill Lumumba, the CIA wants him dead. Shockingly, I think, Devlin said, nope, I'm not gonna do that. I want nothing to do with your little yeah. ploy. And I'm, I'm, I imagine Gottlieb you know, flew into a hissy fit, but he flew back with nothing happening, so the CIA did not kill Lumumba. Yeah. What happened is that the army overthrew him, I think, later that year, 1960, and then they executed him in 1961. So it didn't end well for him, but he did not die by a poison truth brush <laughs> from the CIA <clears throat> and from Sidney Gottlieb. So by the early 1960s, I, I'm assuming it had to be obvious to anyone watching that all these MK Ultra machinations were not working. They had never come up with a good version of mind control or a Manchurian candidate. They, they were absolutely... Un, uh, unworkable, unrealistic, no good results whatsoever. I, I'm assuming they still, but they were still experimenting in LSD into the early 60s, uh, probably just out of inertia, like, let's keep trying. You never know. We're having a lot of fun. I guess. So, and then finally, this, this program that had started with so many bangs ended with a kind of a whimper. In the spring of 1963, a member of the CIA Inspector General's staff, his name was John Vance, he found out that the CIA through MKUltra had been dosing Americans without their consent. He was livid. Damn. He was not pleased. Quick background, the Inspector General's office, every major agency in the U.S. federal government has them, and they're expected to be independent to say, no, you can't do that. That's wrong. So you don't have this it's sort of um, kind of internal institutional control. It's almost like the, the department's, not, devil advocate's not the right word, but say, nope, that's unethical. You can't do that. Um, whatever. It's, it's your internal watchdog that every agency has. And, and they're absolutely critical. They are the first and best check against bad behavior. And so that's why it was so dangerous, by the way, when, as, as you might recall, President Trump tried to fire a series of IGs and replace them with just sycophants, political mm -hmm. say he, he was able to in a few instances. <laughs> and that, that I mean, that, that's incredibly dangerous. That yeah. office has to be very independent from that and has to be non-political and follow the law. In this case, it did. John Vence did exactly that. So in 1963, he said, uh-uh, I'm shutting it down. MK Ultra is over. It's doing something that's clearly legal. We're done with that. MK Ultra and the CIA tried to go to... Again, he was the CIA's Inspector General staff. Yeah, the MK Ultra folks who are running MK Ultra tried to go kind of over his head. So they went to the audit audit board of the CIA and said, "No, we want to continue it. It's too important. National security. Blah 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 blah." In the in the meantime, though, there had been some new ethical guidelines. And this was now very clearly illegal, more so than it had been, say, the early fifties and mid fifties. And so the audit board said, "Uh uh." These are involuntary volunteers. You can't do it. You're shut down. MKUltra in 1963 was officially over. Mm. I mean, presumably they could have continued it with more ethical, you know, the program could have continued, but they would have had it more ethically. Right. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. I mean, it probably had a bad name too, bad yeah. reputation. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining even among, within the government at least. Again, it was completely top secret. This is all happening with just a few people. This MKUltra was not known to anyone outside of top government and intelligence echelons. 
But bad ideas have a way of surviving in, in institutions. And so the death of MKUltra almost immediately gave rise to the birth of something called MK Search. MK Search was a new program, and it had two kind of arms to it. One was called MK Often, and one. <laughs> wait, wait, well, here's, here's a better one. The second one was called MK Chickwit. I'm not kidding you. And these are great names for I don't know musical performers. And MK Chickwit, if he's like your DJ at a rave, yo, yo, I'm MK Chickwit. With it, no, maybe. Be, no? Okay, I thought it. No, I don't think so. Our, MK Ultra would be a great name for that. A would be a very <laughs> DJ. Yeah. Uh, MK Chickwit could also be a literary subgenre dealing with clever humorous sketches written by women. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chickwit. Chick-wit. You worked hard on that one. <laughs> I did actually. Um, <laughs> MK Search, the overarching program, sought to develop quote incapacitated agents unquote as kind of offensive-minded chemical weapons that could be used on a more personal scale by U.S. military or intelligence personnel. That is to say, an operative could use these, again, these, these some kind of chemicals to incapacitate someone, not necessarily to create a Manchurian candidate right. or something like that, but to do bad things to them. It was, the Cold War was, was still pretty hot. Yeah. We, we need spy gadgets and spy... Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. And they weren't intended to be lethal, but... They were intended, though, to in some ways mold the enemy's behavior or psychology to get what they needed. So maybe it was it was still pretty similar to MK Ultra. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that far off. And so MK Search and, and MK Often, the MK, well, the MK Often part of MK Search was the arm that tested these biological or chemical or radioactive agents, and they tested on animals. Later, they even tested on humans, but apparently they did so on voluntary humans. And they were trying to gauge the impact on the behavior of those people. MK Chickwith, part of it, that arm was about getting those agents. So they go to places mostly in Europe and Asia and try to acquire you know, new chemicals, new drugs, new, new agents. And it wasn't just LSD. They, they did a ton of um, experimentation. So again, it still sounds a lot like MK Ultra to me. Yeah, it does. it does. It really does. MK Search was disbanded in 1971. By this time, the program had produced over 26,000 possible agents and that they thought this is worth study. I mean, 26,000 agents of chemicals and... That's crazy. That's insane. That I didn't know really that many. Yeah. Yeah. So the death of MK Ultra, and then in the early 1970s, the demise of MK Search, all that was in secret again. They, weren't, they were started and ended completely in secret. That finally wouldn't be true for much longer. The very late 1974, an investigative journalist named Seymour Hirsch wrote a series of articles for the New York Times alleging that the government and its CIA had been experimenting not only illegally and immorally on unwitting subjects across the world, but had done so to Americans and on American soil. This was explosive. This mm-hmm. was a bomb. What year was this again? Late December of 1974. Seymour Hirsch okay. was a, a major, I believe he was the guy who exposed the Pentagon Papers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the leading investigative journalist at the time. Wow. Why does it seem like, yeah, 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 they're doing it to people in other countries. That's all right, but... The minute it, they do it to Americans well, on U.S. soil, I'm sure it would have been a big story. If it wasn't, if there was no Americans on U.S. soil, I'm sure it would. In late '74, it would have been a huge story. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm positive it would have been. It was a much bigger story because in that yeah. case, the CIA was overtly breaking the law by doing anything on American soil, let alone experimenting on Americans against their will, without their say so. So it was a, it was an absolutely huge story. And this is also during the height of Watergate. It was a, a mm. bombshell. The uh, yeah, again, year, guys. Uh, yeah. year. <laughs> do, do, I think I did mention the CIA can't do anything domestically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and this at a time when the country was already losing faith in its leaders. So yeah. it was an, kind of another one, another knock after Vietnam and Watergate. We should uh, just scrap the whole thing and start it over. Scrap what whole thing started over? Government. Oh, okay. D- democracy. <laughs> Carry the radical. Over. Over Unfortunately for history and for truth. The panic that stemmed from the Watergate revelations by 1973, so more than a year before the exposure of MKUltra, Mm -hmm. they had already got spooked. The CIA in 1973 saw kind of the writing on the wall, some things, this is when Watergate was starting to come out, uh, and, and they thought, okay, if this comes out, we're in trouble. So naturally, they decided to 
cover up. That's what they do. The director of the CIA at the time, named Richard Helms, who had been involved back with MKUltra back in the 50s, he ordered all files dealing with anything to do with MKUltra to be immediately destroyed. So they went on a massive paper-shredding, burning mission. Uh Gottlieb personally did exactly the same. So he, he realized, again, you know, things are, bad things are happening. So he personally, he was retired already. He went to a government storage facility where he knew he had a lot of his papers, MKUltra papers. And he was, you know, he shouldn't have been even been allowed in. It was like, okay, we remember that guy. Yeah. And he used to come here all the time until a couple of years ago. So he got his way in there and he just went and methodically downstairs to a basement and started, and started shredding and burning files. Hmm, I, think it, I think, yeah, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of files he was able to destroy. So again, if anybody thinks this guy didn't know he was a monster, he, you know, he, he knew he, what he, he was. Yeah. Seymour Hersh's revelations had already given rise by 1995 to congressional hearings. And these were known as the Church Committee. It was named for probably the last liberal senator, senator that state of Idaho will ever have. Idaho is a very, very conservative <laughs> state now. They had not only a Democrat, Frank Church, he was a pretty liberal Democrat. Mm. He was a courageous guy. And so he led this, he led this, but, uh, this committee, but it looked into anything the CIA did wrong. MKUltra was a, a footnote. They looked at the, the, the Castro assassinations and things like that, yeah. and attempts to overthrow governments over the years and things like that were the main focus of these committees. But it was a mm. lot of the CIA's dirty laundry was finally being aired. There's also an investigation called the Rockefeller Commission about the same time, headed by then-sitting Vice President Nelson Rockefeller, who was a liberal Republican from New York. He, so these two... Uh, also groups, something that doesn't exist anymore. That, something that absolutely doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. I liberal Republican anywhere. So they were looking into... at, and They were both looking into bad things the CIA had done. and But again, kind of a wide-ranging things. Coups, illegal domestic spying, all kinds of things. They also looked, by the way, at... at nasty things the FBI and other intelligence agencies had done as well. So it was a huge, huge thing. Again, MKUltra is just a tiny, tiny little part yeah. of this. And because they destroyed almost all the documents, it, it was like I think at the time of these hearings, they knew the name, they knew it existed. That's about it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really a part of the story at this time in 75. And they did uncover, though, and I think they knew that the CA had been looking into like mind control agents and things like that, but there were no details. That was critical. Yeah. To make matters worse, though, throughout the hearings, the CIA personnel who were brought in front of either one of these commissions would were very, very coy. Mm-hmm. Not surprisingly, almost all of them had tremendous memory lapses. I was going to say, oh, did they I'm lose sure. their memory? They forgot everything. We think guilty people have been fake forgetting just for a little while. Now, it's been going on for a very, yeah. very long yeah. time. I do not recall. Yeah, they, they didn't recall anything. It was almost like they had been the subjects of MKUltra and were <laughs> suffering the consequences. It's too bad they weren't. But it, in, in fact, they're just amoral assholes who were mm-hmm. pretending not to remember the terrible things they had done. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, yeah, I'm going to restate that. Fortunately, as the old saying goes, mistakes were made back when they destroyed those documents in 1973. Filing, as we know, is done by humans. Mm-hmm. Yes. At least until we have some kind of a clerical Roomba. <laughs> Trademark <laughs> Klumba right here. <laughs> so until you have robots who are doing the filing, humans did the filing, and humans were doing the filing back during MK Ultra. So about 20,000 MK Ultra documents had been misfiled oh, no. over the years That's some hilarious. sources say by the way some sources say 20,000 pages and 8,000 documents but other sources say 20,000 documents I don't know the answer yeah. which one's right regardless this meant that back in 1973 those documents had escaped the purge and were not destroyed somehow they got people found out about this probably a tip off I'm assuming I don't know somebody's like looking at the old files and, oh my god I don't know <laughs> but there's a 1977 FOIA request that's the Freedom of Information Act and it brought these documents to light. The CIA was with, from their other place they, they were misfiled to, had to get them out, give them, and make them public. And I think it was part of the Kennedy hearing. So in 1977, the uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, chaired by Ted Kennedy, Senator Ted Kennedy of Massachusetts, had another investigation into just intelligence bad doings, right? More, <laughs> I think more, doings, yes. not as specific as the church committee was, but yeah. just more, even broader. And so they brought in the new CIA director, Stansfield Turner, Jimmy Carter's uh, CIA director, he, he brought in with him and asked them about MKUltra with these new documents having come to light. 
I guess it was at this, I, 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 the committee must have known, but at this hearing, they asked Turner about hey, are these documents, these MK Alter documents, and he said, yeah, they exist. And they had some things like, they had like financial details of MKUltra. They had some details on specific projects and, and special programs. There was a lot more information about like the Glickman case and the Franca Olson case. And they much more, they, the, before they discovered these, these saved documents, they had like an, an, the um, IG's report from 1963. The, remember when we all right, yeah. shut down? They did have that, but it didn't have a lot of details. This just, it, it, it still left some gaping holes. Yeah. So remember, tens of thousands of documents were destroyed, but they had way, way, way more detail than about MK Alter than they had back in 75 or before. This is 1977 again. And so in 1977, the, the um, details about what had happened to Frank Olson were brought to light. Again, we're going to talk about on the next episode. But the Stanley Glickman story was, was brought to light for the first time, which is why I mentioned earlier that in 77, I guess they figured you knew about it and you didn't sue until 1981, so they threw his, his case out earlier. But Wait, we, so one day Stanley's watching the news and I, he sees, oh... I don't know. I don't know the Stan time Glickman sequence, but getting... they and, and why should they assume? Oh well, it was public exposed in seventy seven. So you that's when the three yeah. year clock did, starts did they ticking. Call that's, him and tell yeah, him. I don't know. I'm not sure. Still, again, we we don't know what we don't know. Right. Yeah. We know about Sonic Glickman. We know about what Donald Cameron did. We know what happened to Frank Olson. We don't know. There might be other things yeah. like that. We don't yeah. know. We never know because thousands and thousands of mo more documents were destroyed than were right. ever discovered. So. There were settlements for some of the involuntary participants or their families, but there's no, there's very little actual justice. Yeah. So in 1992, not until 1992, 77 MK Alter participants finally reached a settlement and, and with the government for monetary damages. Lots of others, many others were unable to because they're unable to prove that they had been participants. Right. Um, Which I don't know how any of them proved it. Well, and, and ironically, of course, it's the CIA's own destruction of the documents they were able to. So I guess they were able to prove it in part because of the documents that were revealed. Right, okay. But you know, fewer would yeah. have had the, had the CIA been more thorough in its destruction, which is awful. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, if you destroy the evidence, you get, a, you get exactly. to get away with it. It's like yes. the thing, murder yeah. cases, where they almost they rarely try murderers if they don't find a body. It's like, oh, yeah. if you're just good at getting rid of the body, you, you have a get-out-of-jail-free card because yeah. DAs are... Wisses. And Richard Helms, by the way, at the time, would say, oh, we destroyed those to protect you guys and protect your identity, which sure. is just a flat lie. Liar. Others were a, unable to show sort of cause and effect. I don't know what the standards were by the court, but, you, you know, hey, I suffer from XYZ. They had to show that that was caused by right. what happened to you at the hands of MKUltra. It was not until 2018 Jesus. that a suit was brought to the Canadian courts against Donald Cameron, who was long dead. Yeah. This yeah. monster of Montreal had been dead for years. The families of some of those unwitting patients brought a class action suit both in Quebec and in federal court in Canada. And I found out, so I, I tried to look and find out what happened to that. I found an article from mid-2022, so not that long ago. Yeah. And it was still winding its way through the Canadian oh, courts. Geez. It still hasn't been decided as far as I can tell. The biggest asshole, of course, was Gottlieb himself. He retired in 73, shortly before he went and destroyed documents. He was brought before the committee in 1975. Remember the church committee? I don't know if he was brought before Rocket Rockefeller Committee as well. But he was grilled. But he's this nice old man, and darn it, he just couldn't recall a dang thing. Yeah. He, just, he doesn't know. It was so long ago. This is this distant, cloudy memory to him. I'm sorry I can't help more. Um, so, you know, nothing really happened to him. He godly more or less got away with it. No indictments were ever brought against him. And he was soon forgotten in 75. He lived until 1999. Wow. wow. So he was found out about, he was and, and grilled in 1975. And 24 more years. During which time, by the way, he got a PhD as we talked about in the first one, at San Jose State. For some, so yeah, this oh, daughter right. and old man was a, a, a horrific liar. So he, he just, you Why know. Why did San Jose State let him in? I, I don't think they, they I don't know. I don't know. They shouldn't have, certainly. He died in, in his home in Washington, Virginia um, in 99, living a comfortable life. This hmm. absolutely That's just horrible. a grotesque monster of a human being. 
The consequences for the subjects of MK Alter, as you can imagine, were far worse than what happened to Sidney Gottlieb or Donald Cameron. So they, whether they're knowingly or unknowingly dosed with these drugs, they suffered. We, we talked about it a minute ago with the, the Cameron thing, but more generally, MKUltra victims had depression, antigrade, and retrograde amnesia, which is both types. I'm not a million percent sure what the difference is. <laughs> Paralysis, confusion and disorientation, insomnia, schizophrenia, and all kinds of mental instabilities for the rest of their lives yeah. in many cases. So, I mean, they ruined dozens, if not hundreds, of people's lives. It's horrible. And without knowing the cause, it was often more difficult to get the proper treatment, too, because you didn't know. Again, right. they didn't know until yeah. the 70s what had happened to them, why they were, why their brain didn't work yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and many, of course, just died and never sought help in the first place or ever during their life. One example was a woman named Jean Steele. She was a Canadian woman who had the misfortune to have walked into Dr. Cameron's clutches at McGill in Montreal in the 60s, I guess the early 60s, and he did terrible things to her. She eventually received $100,000 in 2017, wow! decades after Cameron had died, Jesus. her daughter said, quote, my mother was never again able to really function as a healthy human being because of what they did to her. Yeah. Wow. So, And see, so she, she had a family. There are probably yeah. lots of people who self-medicated, became yep. addicted to something. Yeah. And or never, yeah, never knew. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just society didn't care about them anymore. Mm -hmm. The church committee would conclude its, <sighs> its findings with this pronouncement, quote, the research and development program, and particularly the covert testing programs, resulted in massive abridgments of the rights of American citizens, sometimes with tragic consequences. The nature of the tests, their scale, and the fact that they were continued for years after the danger of surreptitious administration of LSD to unwitting individuals was known, demonstrate a fundamental disregard for the value of human life, end quote. Some, to this day, are not sure that MKUltra is truly over. There are conspiracy theories that say, oh, you know, mm -hmm. they're still doing something along those lines. They just have a different name for it. Or, you know, because remember, it was killed in 73, MKUltra, and then its success was killed in 71. It's like, okay, that's it. But are we so sure? Yeah. Is there something else along those lines still happening? We don't know. Yeah, you can't The money's be. black. <laughs> you know, Congress uh, yeah. authorizes that money. In a, it's an unknown amount, by the way. It's said to be 30 or plus billion dollars a year. But it's, it's they just are, they are authorizing a number the actual no. programs mm -hmm. are top secret. Right. So, and so there's know. really no congressional oversight. Very little. Into well, the, CIA. The, the heads of the intelligence committees and the minority head are able are privy to that information and that's and that's it. Yeah, but within Congress. We don't so, are they really privy to all the information? Uh, I mean, they supposedly. don't know. They're not going in there and well, now, searching I mean, through they're everything. They're massive, so. yeah. 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 So. And it, who knows? You can disguise it with gobbledygook. Mm -hmm. and, you know, who knows? It's just them. Not yeah. even their aides. Mm -hmm. They literally four people <laughs> yeah. from Congress. Yeah. Uh, or, or is it eight? I can't remember now if it's, if it's, it's, it's something like that. But very, very few people are, are, are privy yeah. to it outside of these intelligence agencies themselves and, and the executive mm -hmm. agencies that oversee them. So... We don't know. Has the CIA completely forsworn, forsworn chemical experimentation? I, we'll probably find out with the next scandal. I don't <laughs> trust them. No, I don't, I don't either. trust them one little bit. There are some kind of nutty, though, conspiracy <laughs> theories about MKUltra. Because it kind of became, you know, it's kind of out there. How, yeah. does, does Gen Z know much? Has, have you ever heard of the name MKUltra? It's out there in the conspiracy world, yeah, even among. Okay. It's one of the yeah. biggest. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. It is not gone at all. It is talked about constantly. So, in our current conspiracy frenzy world that we live in, there are people who see it in places it probably is probably not. So, I guess Cardi B at the 2018 Grammys, <laughs> she's on the, the red carpet and she's being interviewed, and she just kind of lost her train of thought and stared off into space. Uh -huh. For an extended period of time. Uh -huh. And so people started saying on the internet, oh my God, <laughs> she has been dosed by MKUltra. Oh Lord. She's undergoing experimentation. No, because she was of her. really drunk. <laughs> that, I was thinking she was just super high. She was, yeah, she'd probably. smoked a bunch of weed yeah. probably. I mean, or, come on. She's a no, you know, she's a known weed smoker and yeah. drinker. As so they say. I'm sure she, so, yeah. <laughs> she so was okay. not dosed. So there are some nonsensical conspiracy theories yes. about MKUltra. I would so I would but if there's something like that going on, that would not shock me. Some mind control conspiracy theory has also followed in the wake of other horrible events. So like Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook and oh. Columbine, people thought, okay, that's MKUltra. Those people were being controlled. The yeah. perpetrators were being controlled by MKUltra. So it's been connected that's by... That's horrible. I mean, these are, you know, 
they're trying to blame it on some kind of government conspiracy yeah. instead of the psychotic lowlights right. with access to guns that really did these. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of conspiracy theories are done with an agenda. It's a terrible agenda. And so that's why it's yeah. so important not to just believe conspiracy theories because so many times you think, oh, I'm, I'm woke and I know about the, I believe these conspiracy theories. No, you're not. You're being yeah. manipulated by really, really awful people. There was literally a person, I think he was like in his early to mid 20s in somewhere between 2017, 2018, created a fake conspiracy theory to prove how much people will believe dumb shit. And he yeah. said, all birds are fake. Yeah. Between <laughs> We covered that on, on a little show called the Weird <laughs> World you Podcast. Did? Yes, we did. I don't watch that show. Sorry, I'm not familiar with that. Um, but yeah, they talked about like birds are fake. That was fake. <laughs> we did that, yeah. It's yeah. this podcast. It's th- this podcast. Okay, I didn't hear Weird it from World, you guys. The podcast. <laughs> I, heard it from I think you else. might have listened to our podcast and forgot that and have internalized <laughs> guys, it. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I've never listened to an episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you covered yes. it because it's yes. a topic that fits our thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now I did not hear it from <laughs> okay. you guys. I believe you. We believe you. We don't believe you. <laughs> but so, he, I don't think he ever admitted that, did he? No, he well mm, yeah, he was coy he? about it. Yes. Oh he did? Okay, good. It was a while ago. <laughs> Some people use MK Ultra to say, Oh look, that's a conspiracy theory that proved true. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna quibble with that. Yeah. I because think. for that to be true, you have to have that conspiracy theory. Not Somewhat fully formed before is 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 exposed, and right. you know, just saying the government's first. doing yeah. bad things is not good enough. Just and then when you find out the government did bad things, you say, "Oh, see, told you that's yeah. nonsense." So it's not a true conspiracy theory because there wasn't an MK Ultra conspiracy theory prior yes. to its revelation. So yes. no, sorry. If you were to say it, a conspiracy theory could be they're still doing it, and if yeah. in thirty years it's we know they're still doing you know, it, then... Even that, sure. I, if you just throw shit out, are you really revealing... You know, you have to have some reason to say it. Otherwise, you can throw stuff out. You, you can do like psychics, like fake psychics predict things. You predict 20 things. Mm-hmm. If one turns out to be true, you say, oh, look, I hit it. No, you didn't. You just you guessed 20 times. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't... Like, if someone said, the CIA is using LSD on involuntary subjects in an attempt to, we think something like mind control or something like that, and you said this in 1955 or 1965... I'll buy it. Yeah. But no one did. Yeah. You, so, don't, you don't know. You weren't there. No. And yeah, you have to be, I don't know. <laughs> not that I remember since I wasn't born yet. So the country. Yeah, everybody who, who showed up somewhere with that conspiracy theory, they said, yeah, sure, let, let's go here. And then they dosed him with LSD. <laughs> That's, yeah. You're probably right. Or they used a little red light, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. They could have done that too. The saddest outcome for MK Ultra may be how thoroughly unsuccessful the program was. And I mean in the sense of what an incredible, yeah. horrible waste of people for something that was that just w- utterly worthless. Yeah. Nothing good came you out of it. You destroyed so many people's yeah. lives for literally zero outcome. And, yeah. and they never, there was never a glimmer that they might be on the right track yeah. during the entire time. Yeah. And let's, let's continue MK Search because they're still doing it. So from 1950-ish, little, remember Artichoke was early 50s yeah. and Bluebird, Early 50s to early 70s, at least, they kept on doing these things mm-hmm. with no indication that, hey, we might be on the right track somewhere. Just And there was no imminent threat to no. the country or our security yeah. that necessitated any sort of outrageous steps be taken. Yeah, there was no, yeah. there was no communist mind control attempts. Now, I could see, you could think that there was something like that. That's not, it wasn't unreasonable in 1951 to think, okay, they might have some kind of secret weapon. That's not... Well, Crazy, sure, they no might have they some did. secret weapon now. We don't know, yeah. but... Well, birds. They have birds, Carrie. They, they do it. have the it's birds. Putin, Putin That's birds. true. <laughs> so we're still, the reports of... Oh, I just kind of said that, so yeah. So, mind, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess that does make it, um, you know, the, the cause of it was unfounded, mm-hmm. and it, they still did it for, for MKUltra for over 10 years of ruined lives and... You know, damaging our democracy yeah. for a cause that wasn't necessary and never had any hope and never had any positive results whatsoever. They should have spent all that sex worker money yeah. for real spies to go to the Soviet Union to determine whether what their capabilities really were yes. or what they were really working yeah. on. Yes, that's sex worker money. I don't think they paid them that much. I think it was mostly drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I read something like that. They pay them a little bit of money, but then give them drugs. Well, and then, uh, all, all the money they spent on velvet curtains yeah. and Toulouse Latrice oh, yeah. paintings, oh, yeah. they could have. The can-can dancers. Yeah. Those yes. paintings are not cheap. Yeah. Okay. 
So that is the story part two of MK Ultra, its ultimate demise, if it indeed is completely yeah. demised. It's a real word. So if Demude. you were already disappointed in the good old US of yeah, A, yeah, we yeah, just really just I mean, ruined it. You can see there are little glimmers of hope. Like by they had more ethical standards by the early sixties and actually backed them up. And they did shut it down in the in the mid in the are they it was exposed further in the mid seventies and was brought up, but you know, and there was some yeah, embarrassment and settlements. But it was yeah. we'll, we'll we'll talk about Frank Olson next time because a similar situation kind of happens there with respect to Frank Olson's family seeking justice. Yeah, I still don't uh, trust that people are still act, are acting ethically. Yeah, no, I wouldn't Within be surprised. The CIA. No. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. I don't yeah. trust any American government body. Wow, now you sound like a, a MAGA. Uh, I trust the DMV. The DMV. Carrie trusts the that's DMV. As far as I go. And, and I uh, defend them every time somebody trashes yeah, them. Yeah, she does. Okay, She's a big sure. fan of DMV. <laughs> I'll say I like the DMV too, though. Okay, I find them obnoxious, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So that is MK Ultra. Nice. Next episode, we will bring you the Frank Olson case. It's a pretty, we'll have to give a warning for that as well, because it's, yes. it's it's, he's, you know, he's a complicated person. Yes. And it's a complicated story, but with a tragic ending. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody.